Hey everyone, Clay here. Just wanted to let you know that on Friday, August 13th, that's Friday the 13th, Amanda and I will be doing a live stream at 8 o'clock EST to talk about all things Friday the 13th, or at least all things Friday the 13th, 1 through 8, which is where we currently are in our Patreon coverage of the Friday the 13th series. So, if you'd like to join us for all things Friday the 13th and all things spooky, we'll see you then on Friday the 13th at 8 on YouTube. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. We have hit our wild card again. This, I think this might be our 40th episode is oh. that right let me see one two three four five <laughs> six seven eight eight times five is 40, 40. right yeah. yeah this is our 40th episode wow that's fun. <laughs> uh this is the first time the first show i've been on where i remembered that when it happened and not like six weeks later when i was actually editing the episode yeah so, that you uh, hit like a milestone episode yeah yeah so <laughs> Practice makes perfect, Clay. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this is our, our next wild card. Uh, we are doing Jennifer's Body, which was Amanda's pick, yes. which I was excited about because I uh, I think on the list of movies that um, are worth talking about that aren't on this specific list that we work from, I feel like Jennifer's Body is pretty high up there. Uh, it is... From 2009, it does not have, it's not on our list, as I said, so it doesn't have a number, but it does have a 45% Rotten Tomatoes score with a 35% audience score, which, uh, this might be the most, one of the more interesting ones that we've taught, we will be talking about or have talked about because there has been quite a critical shift or swing about this movie. Yeah. In uh, in and we're kind of like right in the middle of that happening, mm-hmm. where a lot of the movies that have we cover with that sort of thing, it's like already happened. Like the thing is on the list. Right, the thing was a bomb when it came out. Yep. This uh, the the critical shift on Jennifer's body did not seem to bump the Rotten Tomato score at all. At least not yet. I don't know how that works. Maybe it needs to be re released or something. Probably. Yeah. Um, it seems it seems like a like an aggregate that includes uh, current attention. Yeah. To to the score yeah um but hopefully hopefully it does shift because i think it is much better than 45 percent. but it's going to be interesting to talk about uh as as the shift is happening so uh uh, join us for jennifer's body we're gonna take a quick break oh wait i guess we forgot a section um (laughs) 
You, now you you picked this before, so you picked this, so you've obviously obviously seen this one before. Yes, but not for a very long time. I mm-hmm. think I probably saw this around when it came out. Sure, maybe within like a year or two of it coming out, because mm-hmm. I didn't see it in the theater, so it had to be at least late enough that it was released on, you know, bargain bin DVDs from Walmart. Right. Yeah. I also. I definitely did not see this. I don't think I saw this until multiple, multiple years later because I think I also wrote it off. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you, the reason you write it off ends up being the reason you watch it, which is <laughs> uh, Megan Fox. I don't know about this. And then a couple years later, it's like, Megan Fox. <laughs> May as well you, give this one a shot. You preemptively wrote it off because you didn't want to be that guy who watched the movie just because Megan Fox is hot. Yeah, but then I was that guy later, yes. and I'm glad that I was <laughs> because this is another one, much like the movie Wild Things, which I can't remember if we've talked about that before. Oh, God. I hope I hope we have, and if we haven't, we should. <laughs> Where I watched it, and then I came away going, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. That was that was more than just... Um, Queer you know, baiting? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um. So yeah, it, it's it's and I've I've seen it once more since then. I watched it with my girlfriend, and I was like, I think we should watch this. And she and she was a little bit on the fence, but afterwards, she also was like, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll play the trailer, and then we can talk about it. tonight wear something cute okay you always do what jennifer tells you to do it's just that i like the same things that she likes hey jennifer you look really pretty why don't you just come by my place well this is random this isn't really your house is it we can play mommy and daddy no way (laughs) we always share your bed when we have slumber parties Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. Hi, Chip. You're killing people. No, I'm killing boys. Are you scared? I thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways. I will finish you if I have to. Okay. You can barely finish gym class. All right, Jennifer's Body from 2009, directed by Karen Kusama, written by Diablo Cody, starring Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried? How do you- Seyfried? Seyfried. Seyfried? Seyfried, whatever. Seyfried. Adam Brody, J.K. Simmons, and Johnny Simmons, whose middle name is James, which means this movie features J.K. Simmons and J.J. Simmons. No relation. No relation. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in Jennifer's body? When a demon takes possession of her, high school hottie Jennifer turns a hungry eye on guys who never stood a chance with her before. 
While evil Jennifer satisfies her appetite for human flesh with the school's male population, her nerdy friend Needy learns what's happening and vows to put an end to the carnage. I I thought for a second you were going to do like, it was going to be like a Gene Shallot, like rhyming synopsis oh. where it was going to be like, <laughs> haunted hottie hunts hunks to, for hunk because she's hungry. <laughs> haunted hottie. That's amazing. No, even that that synopsis right there is a little it's a tad bit misleading. Yeah. 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 As many of these uh these blurbs tend to be for the sake of brevity, I think. And also this movie a lot of um a lot about this movie is misleading as far as yes. how it's presented to the people who are supposed to pay to see it. And I think that was a big reason for why it didn't do as well as it did. But. Agree. Well, Clay. Yes. Some things you'll find in this movie include mm-hmm. Uh, high school library occult sections. I wish that a classic. Would, I wish that my high school had one. The magic <laughs> book is my favorite narrative device in yes. movies. It's yes. my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. I know it's really cheap, but in horror movies, for some reason, I just find it really satisfying when someone finds the answers they need to an ancient esoteric question in a book. That's in the public or school yeah. library. Yeah, or in a basement or wherever you had to Sure, but it. yeah. it's it's especially enjoyable, I think, when yeah. it's just like... It's real, It's really funny that they that she gets the books from the high school library. Yes. And they make a great joke about it where she says, I got them from the occult section. Yeah. And Chip goes, we have an occult section? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like... This, anyway, this movie is self-aware in some mm-hmm. fun ways. Yes. Uh, Proto Burt Macklin. Yeah, Chris Pratt shows up dressed... Basically like Burt Macklin. Acting from, basically like Burt Macklin. Yeah, from yeah. Parks and Rec. That was that yeah. was a fun cameo. I totally forgot it. So when I was watching this, watching it this time through, I laughed out loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and shortly after, he he rears his beautiful face. Nine mm-hmm. Eleven tribute shooters. Great joke. Oh my god. Nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, then pre murder Tommy Two Tone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> The the I don't know why, but that eight six seven five three zero nine sequence just tickles me when they when they pause yep. the demonic sacrifice they're gonna do to be like, what's that song? Oh right, and then they all sing yep. the song. Yeah, and of course, questionable parenting. Questionable because where are the parents in yes. this movie? Yes, that is the question. Mm-hmm. That's the question in the questionable parenting. <laughs> yeah, uh, Amy Sedaris plays uh, uh, Needy's mom. Yes, and she is there it's kind of weird that they even have a scene together because the mom doesn't really factor in at all other than the fact that she's there and i wonder if there is like cut material or something because isn't her mom a a cop or a sheriff's deputy or something i don't know it she said she works nights so i just assumed she was like a nurse or something oh maybe i I feel like there's like a quick glimpse of her in in a what looks like a police or sheriff's uniform I, i could be I could be wrong. It's very possible. Um, but yeah, so Jennifer's Body. Uh, what made you choose this one? Um, partially because it has been popping up again mm-hmm. now in these sort of retrospective pieces um, that reminded me it existed mm. and sure. made me want to go back and rewatch it because I, I, I remembered watching it. It was one of those ones where I, I got a hold of it I think a friend had it or or something and we just watched it like in it was like somebody's basement when I was home for Christmas one year from like school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah, like yeah. one of those like I have this. It's like new. 
<laughs> that was let's I think, watch it. I think that was more or less how I watched it, where I was like looking for stuff on on demand or something. Yeah, else. Jennifer's yeah, sure. Yeah, it wasn't like a big event. There wasn't like a big lead up. I hadn't heard like, oh, oh my god, you have to watch this movie. It's so yeah. great. Um, but something about it sounded appealing, and I think you know we were just like, okay, let's let's throw it on. And I remembered actually enjoying it and kind of being resentful because it was like really cool to hate on Megan Fox at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's a really interesting figure, especially yeah. now post like Me Too and everything. Yeah. Where, I mean, it, it's even kind of separate from that because there's a lot of stuff where you go back and you look at, at, at figures like her who became sort of like jokes. Yeah. For everyone. Yep for really unfounded reasons yep uh and it's kind of gross and it makes you know i don't know yeah not bad not to get like super off topic and like super political or anything but do you remember courtney stodden oh sure yeah yeah she was like the 16 year old girl whose parents married her off to like a 48 year old man yeah you know who that 48 year old man was it's oh god it's that actor the stretchy guy from the x-files yes yeah yes yes (laughs) The guy who's made a career playing creeps. <laughs> yes. And is one in real life, apparently. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but no, she was a similar, I think it was around the, a, a similar time as well, where there was sort of this way that like media tended to talk about very famous, very beautiful, but also like very sexualized young women. Mm-hmm. And like Britney Spears got it and Courtney started it. And I think Megan Fox is in that group too. Where Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, absolutely. Yeah. Where like say what you want to about their talent as actor, like actors. Like if you think Megan Fox is a shitty actor, I'll listen to your argument. Sure, but like there was yeah, there was this certain level of dismissal and judgment about like, oh well, she only gets movie roles because she's so hot, and right. it's like. But it's Hollywood. All the women are hot. Like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. non-hot women don't get movie roles. Why is she getting singled out? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was weird. It was a weird, a weird time. And like, I, I definitely bought into it. I remember being like, she's, she doesn't have any talent. She sucks. Right. That's, that's the thing that was weird about her is she didn't have any like personal life controversy at least not that i can remember it was I think she dated a couple weird guys yeah but she's it was been just like, married to brian austin green for like 10 years or something uh, yeah but, but, but like angelina was, jolie dated a bunch of weird guys too yeah. and everybody was still like oh wow if for some reason with her it was like she's too hot to be talented like there's yes. no way she can be yes. both because if she's both that makes me feel twice as bad about yeah. myself <laughs> and uh <clears throat> i mean it didn't help that i think the roles she was getting weren't exactly Kramer versus Kramer, but right. They definitely it was uh, the roles she was cast in tended to play up her physical attributes right. rather than her acting chops. Right. But uh, when I watched this the first time, the first thing I thought was, "Man, Megan Fox is really good in this movie." Yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, no, she's like a great balance of like she does the sort of like self centered hot teenage girl thing really well but Mm -hmm. there is that underlying current of like she's trying way too hard right and it's clear like she's crass all the time like even before the demonic possession Mm -hmm. you know just Mm -hmm. like the way she talks is like 
oh, you're you're like she does a good job portraying one of those girls who probably walks around being like, I don't know. Girls just hate being friends with me. Like, I just don't get along with girls. I only get along with boys. Yeah. And there's something really subtle in her performance that. Oh, she plays that element of it, but she also is really there's something about the way she plays it that makes it feel very hollow. Yeah. Like you can you can tell that what she's doing is just kind of like a front for whatever is going on inside of her. Yeah. Uh even before the the demonic thing. Uh and yeah, I think she's really good. I think it, it's it's it is a case of of uh not really getting the credit at the time. Yeah. Um But yeah, th- this uh this also has a script by Diablo Cody, who is coming off of... Is this what the one she did right after Juno? I'm not totally sure. I think so. Let me check real quick. I can't remember if she did it right after or right before. And uh, Diablo Cody, she's kind of fallen out of the zeitgeist at this point. Yeah. Um, but yes, it was uh, the next one she did after after Jennifer's body was... i uh, sorry, after Juno was Jennifer's body. Um, but she... I think, did she win an Oscar for Juno, for the screenplay for Juno? I can't remember if she won it, but she was definitely nominated. Yeah, she she yeah. had a, a very um, <clears throat> a very stylized writing style that, uh, if you've watched this, you can tell. Yeah, uh, but it <laughs> or was Juno, kind of, if you've yeah, watched Juno. Juno. And, and it kind of, weirdly enough, I feel like Juno worked and was popular because of a lot of what she brought to the script. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people might have turned off from this one because it's that same kind of style, hyper stylized writing that maybe doesn't always work. Like this, this feels almost like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like juiced up a little bit. Yeah. Where it's a lot of the same kind of, uh, high school vernacular that she's probably making up for, for the sake of her own writing style. But yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me because, when I re when when I watched this this week, uh, something hit me that I definitely did not notice as much when I first watched it, which is like how offensively all of these teenagers talk all the time. Yeah, it's great. Like a lot of a lot <laughs> of the casual comments and things that were definitely written to be jokes mm-hmm. back in like two thousand and nine do not land. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now, like you two are lesbian gay for each other, and it's like, okay, yeah. But so that was it's it's interesting because I think Diablo Cody is one of those people who was very much of her time, mm-hmm. and I I don't know what she's done since then. She has done. Um, <clears throat> she hasn't obviously. She hasn't had as many uh, high profile things as as she did uh, at the time, but she did. Uh, she was the creator of the show United States of Tara. Oh, okay. Which uh, was that the um, Tony Collette? I think which so. Which like has the different personalities. Yes. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she wrote Young Adult, which was an interesting movie with mm. uh, um, Charlize Theron and Pat Oswalt, which was pretty oh, good. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. She, oh, she worked on Raised by Wolves. Is that a different Raised by Wolves? Yes, that is a different race, <laughs> not the not the Ridley Scott um, sci-fi. sci-fi epics TV yep. series. She's been doing some TV. Um, she apparently wrote a untitled Madonna biopic that hasn't come out yet. Okay, and she is working on the live-action Powerpuff Girls TV show right now. So. Huh? So she's still out there. Yeah. Um, I feel like she's less of a. 
like you said, she's kind of like fallen out of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Like she's still working, but that's sort of like when Juno and when this came out and it was like, oh, that unique Diablo Cody something is yeah. kind of like, I, I don't know if it stopped being effective as time went on because it is so grounded in a specific time and style. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of those movies that definitely feels to me, it feels dated to me. Like it feels of its time. Sure. When you watch it visually and and some of the some of the things it's sort of like it gestures at some really interesting themes and then tends to kind of back away from them a little bit. A little yeah, bit. yeah. Um, but it reminds me of like, just just like when I think of like this movie in terms of how deep in the time period it is in terms of like the way the characters are dressed and the soundtrack, it makes me think of Scream. Okay. And how yeah. like of the 90s Scream was. Well, you know, I, I wanted to talk about that because this, this movie came out in 2009. Yeah. And... It, I, I would say it feels relatively convincing as far as like, like if I, I don't watch this and think these people are trying really hard to be high school kids. I think it works yeah. relatively well. Yeah. But where I, where with Scream, you look at it and go, okay, mid 90s, definitely. I was having a hard time hmm. placing this because it came out in 2009, but I was like, I was trying to think if this was i well i guess it makes sense to ask you cuz you're a few years younger does mm-hmm. do you find the styles in this to be recognizable to high school cuz it cuz i was i was trying to th- i was i was asking meredith about it yeah and uh and she was like no it feels like it's it's like just past the time that we were in high school and i was like yeah it's it's a weird kind of mix because you've got some stuff i recognize from when i was in high school and some stuff like the more uh really kind of heavily emo kid stuff yeah. that I don't really think popped as much until later. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. What did you think? I mean, it it felt pretty close to what I remember. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, those sort of weird little, like, cropped sweaters for girls that were, like, tiny. Like, you'd put them on over a tank top. Sure. <laughs> and, like, low-rise jeans were still a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, low-rise, like, boot-cut jeans. Like, skinny jeans weren't a thing. The sort of, like, relaxed, like, mom jeans that are cool now right, aren't, right. aren't a thing. The waists um, are high now. The waists are high now. For, we, we, <laughs> for now. We were driving. We were going somewhere, and we drove by a group of, like, four or five girls who were all dressed identically. And I don't even know if they realized they did it. But it was all, <laughs> like, white tank tops. And jean shorts, yep. like uh, shortcut jean shorts yeah. that were like waist high at the lowest. Yeah. And they all looked exactly, and I was like, so we were both like, so I guess that's the thing now. That's that's what the look is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> you never know. For those girls, it was. It might have been a gang. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to jack your car, Clay. Yeah. It's a very high school remake of the Warriors happening there you down go. the street. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of that felt pretty close to me. The person who's, whose outfits felt the least realistic to me were actually needies. Oh, really? Okay. Just like they kind of put her... And I think a big part of it was like, all right, we have Megan Fox, who's really hot, mm-hmm. but we need to emphasize how hot Megan Fox is, especially when she's demon Megan Fox. But we also have Amanda Seyfried. Who's who no is, slouch. Yeah. yeah, who is also <laughs> goddamn gorgeous. Right, yeah. And we have them in the room next to each Like, they're always together. They're, like, next to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. How do we 
emphasize how not hot Amanda Seyfried, an objectively hot person, Universal is. language. Glasses. Yep. Hair back and down. Yep. Bad hairstyle. Bad hairstyle and uh, big clothes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, I know there were teenage girls out there who definitely wore grandpa sweaters. Right. Yeah. But I did not know them. <laughs> I, I did really like the scene where... Uh, where where Jennifer convinces Needy to go to the bar, go to see the band, and yeah. she says wear something cute, and she's like, that yes. has a very specific meaning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the band is another oh, element band. of the time that it takes place in. Oh, the band! I think the band is fantastic. Yeah, it's like it's a great, like the name Low Shoulder, fantastic name for a band like that. It's a dumbass name. Yep. Uh, they look like assholes. Yep. <clears throat> And even better, once they get their major label makeover, they look like even bigger assholes, which is very accurate to yes. the way that those bands tend to look. Right. And they're like a bunch of decent looking white guys. Yeah. Like they're all fine looking. Like they're all like like normal looking dudes. But like, all right, they're not like drop dead gorgeous, mm-hmm. handsome, like the way everybody kind of treats them like they are. Right. And yeah. so I think that works really well too because there is that sort of like stereotype of like the minute you're a rock star, it's like you're 10 times hotter than you were if you're just the guy who works at the coffee shop. Then you're just mm-hmm. like the cute barista. Right. Now you're like somebody I'm going to follow you around the country and scream at you. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, I think the band is a is a good <clears throat> uh example of what works well in this movie for me, which is I find that it's Tongue in cheekness works really well. Like the stuff it's sending up, I think it does a good job yeah. with. Like uh, um, some of the more that, and that's where I feel like the the crossover with Buffy happens a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where you know you've got certain like certain things they're sending up from these John movies, like the li- the library in the high school having an occult section. <laughs> yep. Or the it's extremely uh, Buffy. Yes. Or the <laughs> the the band um, printing off. The, the demonic sacrifice ritual yeah, from like, the internet, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> which is really funny my i don't mean to interrupt no, but my, my favorite thing is when the band is talking first like they're talking about like uh jennifer mm-hmm. and uh needy is like overhearing them and he's like she's the one like i know it i, I grew up in a small town like this i know these girls they act like they're like they put it all out there but they never do anything with it like they mm-hmm. like she's definitely a virgin yeah. i know she's the one and when he says, I grew up in a small town like this, one of the other guys in the band goes, hey, you told me you were from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. And I think it, it has a nice twist on some different like tropes and stuff you uh, generally expect from this, like the um, the which is which also work a little bit as commentary on stuff because you've got the the thing where they're they're looking for a virgin. Yes. And needy is overhearing what they're saying as it being like they're they're looking for a virgin to have sex with. Yeah. Uh or 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 like they the the virgin aspect is a negative for what they want. And right. so that's why she's like that's she is a virgin and she would never go out with anybody like you know. Yes, yeah, so just and, leave her alone. Right. And then even w- when she, uh Jennifer ends up in the van later, yep. she reinforces that she is a virgin and they don't want anything <laughs> to do with She says something her. like I've never even done sex. I don't even know how it works. Yeah. So just go find someone who does. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's it's an interesting play on that that kind of stuff because the, it's it's the it's the use of the the virgin uh, in a horror movie element yeah. that that you don't generally see. Yeah, and I like that this movie sort of turns it on its head a couple times mm-hmm. where because we hear Needy say it and then late and then we do actually at some point at least I, I can't remember exactly when chronologically in the movie uh, Jennifer says it. You do spend a lot of the movie thinking that she is a virgin, you know, or right. like 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 assuming she is like yeah. Well, she's, I think she says it pretty early because yeah. uh, um, after Needy overhears them, right? Needy says it pretty early. I can't like the the, well, the then part she, where Jennifer says it is like a flashback to what they did to her. No, uh, no? well. Um, in the same scene after Needy hears it, she yeah. goes over to Jennifer and she said, she says, they, they think they, they were talking about you. They think you're a virgin. She's like, virgin? I'm not anywhere close oh, yeah. to a virgin. I, you know. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's just, it's got a lot of those elements to it where um, they hit you with stuff a little bit differently. And just the angle I think that this movie takes is, is refreshing because it's, I, uh, my girlfriend actually mentioned it as feeling kind of similar to Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Which I hadn't considered yeah. until she said that. And I was like, actually, yeah, there is kind of a similar kind of vibe to this. That was another reason I kind of wanted to watch it because I love Ginger Snaps. Mm-hmm. And I know that like when you look at some of the surface elements of this movie, you can argue a lot. Of, of similar themes you yeah. know there's like the like the sexuality of teenage girls as they're like getting older and the danger that that kind of can be f- like i i don't know i think there's there's interesting overlap between the two movies mm-hmm. but i think because the central relationship between the two girls is so different in this one it adds like a whole new layer of like because because there's another we, you we made a comment we were watching we were either I don't know if we were recording or just talking about something we'd watched mm-hmm. and we were saying how there aren't many horror movies with like openly gay right protagonists yeah. or, or or main characters this is not that correct <laughs> but I could see a world in which when this movie if this movie were made now where like they would just like maybe Jennifer would just be bisexual or maybe needy would, or maybe they both yeah. were like, it's, it's kind of interesting the way that this movie approaches their sexuality, because there are a couple like very like sexually charged moments between them. They actually like, they make out at one point mm-hmm. and it's, it's played a little bit for like titillation of the audience. Right. But I also think the actors, like I think they have genuine chemistry mm. And there's a genuine, like, between the two characters, there's this kind of, like, do I want her? Do I want to be her? Do I love her? Do I hate her? Like, throughout the whole movie, where it's, like, they feel so intensely about one another, whether or not that's, like, a romantic or sexual love or something else, mm. it's still there. It's, like, a like it would be kind of disingenuous not to have them yeah. act on it it's, at some point. So it it, it doesn't feel, like straight up just like queer baiting to try and get gay people to like this right. movie it does feel to me genuine to the characters like it it makes sense to me that they have that in there yeah i feel like the the relationship between 
Needy and Jennifer is the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Just because it is so seemingly complicated. Yes. Um, because they're, they are so extremely close but extremely different. Yep. And Jennifer, even before she gets possessed, <clears throat> has this desire to ruin the things that Needy likes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because she's jealous of them or what. And then once because uh you know, she uh when the uh the emo kid asks her out, <laughs> which is another great joke where he asks her if she wants to go see the Rocky Horror Picture yes. show and she says I don't <laughs> like boxing movies. <laughs> um or uh and then Needy says, "I don't know, I think he's cool." Yeah, she immediately turns on a dime yeah. and goes to destroy him. She literally him. yells, "Hey, wait!" and yeah. makes him come back. Yeah, and there's also um, she starts say like saying kind of complimentary stuff about Needy's boyfriend. Like shortly yeah. after, Needy kind of like is like, "Oh, Chip's great." She's like, "Yeah, you know, Chip's looking kind of hot." You know, yeah, she's, yeah. She's very like chipping away at it. I don't know right. if it's because she's insecure about it or if because she hates these things that could get in the way of her and Needy or if she just wants to be mean to her. I'm not really sure. And then once she does become this demonic thing, she, her sexuality becomes like a literal weapon. Yeah. And she, it doesn't matter kind of. She's just like having fun figuring out what the hell yeah. Just these powers are and stuff. And like, how much can I get away with? And yeah. Like... And so the scene where they make out too is like, it is this weird sort of culmination of tension that's been there. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's also Jennifer just using her weird new kind of like sexuality powers on needy just for, yeah. the, for the sake of having fun with it. So yeah. it is, it's a really, it is an, a really interesting dynamic between the two of them. Absolutely. And I think there's like... You could read it this way, and I I kind of do, to be honest, where, like, they've been friends for so long, and they were so little when they became friends. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the nickname Needy came about, like, if Jennifer gave her that nickname. Mm -hmm. And the irony of that is, is that Jennifer is the needy one. Right, right. Like, she's always, and I think that's more what she's doing. Like, it's, it's a form of jealousy, but I don't think it's to piss Needy off so much as to keep Needy insecure and also to take other things away from Needy that take Needy's attention off of her. Right. Like, I think it's very much like, no, 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 you're my best friend. Mm-hmm. That's your role. That's your job. That's what you do. Right. You don't get to have your own things. Like, you don't have other friends. I don't even like that you have a boyfriend. I don't like that you... Like, she gets mad when she finds out that uh, Needy talks to Colin in class. Right, right. She gets like, that's when she's kind of like, oh, oh okay, you're, you're friends with him? Then you think he's cool? I need to get rid of this guy, like, yeah, right yeah. away. And it's just, a lot of it's about keeping Needy isolated. And she does tell her when she comes to Needy's house the night of the fire, the night where she's been 8675309, um... <laughs> She says, I couldn't bring myself to hurt you. So yeah. I had to leave. I had to go find somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because Jennifer, <clears throat> all, the, all, the, for all the people that we see in this movie, 
Needy has other people in her life. Yes. But Jennifer seems to not. Yeah. Even though she puts up this front as though she is constantly pushing people away and brushing them off because she's so popular. Yep. But really that illusion is the only thing she has, which is why when she turns into the demon, the it manifests it manifests itself in she starts to look bad. Which right. she doesn't have enough attention, quote unquote attention, which in this case is, I guess, human blood or something. But, uh, <laughs> organ but, meat. Organ meat, yeah. yeah. But like it, it manifests itself fig- physically because yes. that's the only, Needy's the only person she has and all she has outside of Needy is her looks, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's something at the very, towards, towards the kind of climax in the weird abandoned pool. Yes. Um, which is also, I think, a really, I, I'm assuming this is a, a joke. Yeah. Because what's the thing everybody hears about when they go to school is like, oh, there's an abandoned oh, pool yeah. <laughs> that nobody uses on the roof or in yeah. the basement or something. Yep, and yep, so yep. this high school actually has an abandoned pool. That, yeah. That's good. I hadn't put that together, but you're totally right. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that Needy says to Jennifer that actually seems to hurt Jennifer is she starts saying like, oh, what, like a year or two ago when you were actually still socially relevant? Right, yeah. And it's like that, like, that gets to her more than most of what Needy says or does. Yeah. Um, so Jennifer gets abducted by the band who is yes. trying to strike a deal with, with Satan in order to become... <laughs> He's our only chance now. Yes. What, is, what do they, they say something? The band, the guys who are or the actors in the band, they are so good because yeah, they, they, they good, commit yeah. so hard to being total douchebags. Yeah, yeah. And one of them's like... Yeah, I mean, we're aligned with the beast now. Satan's our only chance at a major record label deal. <laughs> yes. Um, they, uh, they, sacrifice, they sacrifice Jennifer to this demon in order to get fame and fortune, which, it's in, again, even this is interesting because it works, but what Needy finds, and maybe this is too convoluted, I don't know, but mm-hmm. like when Needy goes to the occult book section and fig- figures out what's going on, she finds out that there's a ritual that, if you do it with a virgin, it will work full stop. Yes. But if you do it with a non-virgin, the demon will manifest itself in the body of the girl that you sacrificed. Yeah. That's fine. I can't decide if, like, it still works, though. Like, it still works, but it yeah. also brings a demon into the world. I can't decide if that's, like, too convol- I guess it, I guess it works. But, um, so Jennifer comes back as this sort of monster that, that preys on human flesh or blood would you call her a vampire no there's a lot of vampire elements to it but she's not explicitly a event because we um when we were watching it i was watching it with meredith and uh pat was um packing to leave yeah so he wasn't watching the whole thing so he came in maybe like halfway through and at the end, when Needy stabs, uh, he he wasn't as he wasn't super tickled with the Diablo Cody of it all. But <laughs> when Needy stabs her in the chest with the box cutter, uh-huh. his response was, Ba-dum-tch. "Did they really, did they really move away from a wooden stake just for a box cutter Home Depot joke?" <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, well, she's not explicitly a vampire." And I had never really thought about it, but she, it's like, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of vampire like accoutrement in this movie. Because yeah. she's eating these people, but she is like drinking the blood more than anything else. She's kind of like lapping it up, and she does get killed by getting knifed through the heart. 
I, I yeah, I mean, I, I I see the connections. I just she doesn't read as like classic vampire to right, me. Yeah. Like, I think of it much more of a like a succubus mm. demon situation because mm-hmm. she seems to be drinking the blood, but also like eating these dudes like actually eating them yeah like what what is it there's there's a comment i think chip's mother makes to him like did you hear what that boy colin looked like um when they found him and it was like you know a pile of meat with like teeth or something like that like a meatloaf with glasses or something yeah yeah it's it's like it's like that so she's not just like biting the flesh off over a major artery and then like hanging out and drinking it she is like tearing into these guys she's she's really ripping them apart (laughs) i I think i think the reason that pat thought it was more of a vampire is because of the scene in the pool with chip yeah she really only gets him in the neck yeah um so if if i guess if that's the only one you really see i can see oh yeah vampire right right but the ones with colin and um jonas the the football player the the first one that we see her really uh chow down on yeah it seems a little more involved than just vampirism there does seem to be another element to it as well because when she's uh i think it's when she kills colin she says something like i need you to feel helpless or something like yeah there's a a certain it's almost like uh pennywise from it a little bit where like she feeds on the fear as much as anything else right she's like i want you to be afraid and helpless and like hopeless or something like that yeah yeah yeah, so I think there's more to it. I, I understand why, again, like you said, if you just saw that sort of like limited portion of the movie, I would get why you would think that, but I, I don't, I wouldn't call her a vampire. Yeah, but I think all of that makes makes for a really interesting character in Jennifer where you get a lot of mileage out of thinking about it, thinking about her afterwards. Like, yeah. Because it comes off, it, it, it feels like a... I do wonder if this movie is a little bit uh, hindered by the... The the Diablo Cody of it all? Yeah, and like (laughs) the high school of it all. Yeah. And the fact that it is is stylized to feel like a high school movie. Yeah. When I wonder if there's a different approach that is a little bit less... This is a high school movie starring Megan Fox. Stylistically, it feels like that until... I don't know, 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in when she gets sacrificed to a demon. Yeah. Um, where maybe the the focus realigns a little bit and, and, and lets you kind of really dig into the interesting stuff that's going on instead of focusing on the slang and the, 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 the low-rise jeans and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, I wonder if even if it was just a high school movie that was trying a little ha- less hard to be hip. Sure. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or like, like, yeah, there was that very like late 90s to mid aughts, mid to late aughts even, where the idea was that like teenagers had to talk like teenagers and that was mm-hmm. a, a, they spoke in a different way and everybody sort of had that. I think it really kicked off in a movie like Scream, but like Joss Whedon perfected it. Oh, that sure. like quippy, everybody's really quick. Everybody's really sarcastic and like saying everything very ironically mm-hmm. and just like tossing off like insults and commentary there, all the time. There are some great lines in this movie. Oh, absolutely. But I wonder if some of that, like you were saying, kind of buries the opportunity yeah, to yeah. like 
treat these characters like they're anything more than just like quip machines. Yeah, and I also think that like this probably sounds really dumb. I think this movie is actually smarter than people give it credit for. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff I feel like a lot of the stuff that comes off as just like stupid lines are actually like darkly funny. Yeah. For instance, uh, when <laughs> when they're in the bar, and after we beat after we meet Burt Macklin and she and <laughs> learn that Jennifer has had some sort of relationship. He's a he's a he's a police cadet. Yes. He's not a policeman. Yes. And later on, uh, uh. Needy makes some some comment about being worried because the cops are going to find out. And Jennifer yeah. says, um, I have the cops in my back pocket. I'm fucking a cadet. <laughs> 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 Which is like such like a high school sensibility thing where it's like yeah. that's the sphere that you're in is, yep. is as big as the world gets. So yep. the fact that she's sleeping with a police cadet means she has like pull at the police state, you know. Right, and, and that's also like a very small town. Oh yeah, yeah. Like attitude, which is I think something that this movie does not to sorry to like totally interrupt and, no, and no, derail, but like I really like the way that this movie portrays its small town. Yeah. yeah. Because it it tends it actually avoids a lot of the stereotypes. Like we're not getting like roving bands of rednecks. Right. Yeah. You know, like it's it's the guys kind of from out of town, not the like, oh, you know, the weird family that lives alone out on their farm on the edges of town. Like they're not the creepy cannibals or anything. Right. It's like these like handsome, kind of slick young guys who come from out of town and bring this bad shit into it. And I feel like a lot of more modern horror movies treat small towns like, oh, you're going to be narrow-minded, you're going to be rednecks or hillbillies or whatever. Um, And it plays with the idea that everybody knows each other in a way that's not like, again, the sort of stereotype of like, oh, the high school bully and like turns out that his mom went to school with the kid he bullies Mm -hmm. mom. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's they don't do all of that. It's more of like, oh, there's a big tragedy when this bar burns down and a bunch of people, like eight people die. And so the whole town goes into mourning because everybody knows each other. So it is like a big tragedy for them. There's also, that also plays into a nice scene where, um, it's, it's a strange scene. And I think it's a really good scene because it kind of works on a couple levels because, When they go back to school, mm-hmm. uh, the way everybody else is reacting to what happened kind of puts Needy off. Yeah. Uh, because they're reacting in a way that is not... <clears throat> it, it's very different for her who was actually there. Right. And the next piece of that, which I really enjoyed, is when Jennifer shows up and she's she's basically like, what's wrong with everybody? And she's like, the bar burned down. And Jennifer just kind of like, blankly says oh did anybody we know die and needy goes we know everyone who died yeah you know and it's it's it is this an an interesting look at at how because i found something like really weird and this movie isn't hamlet but (laughs) like oddly truthful about that where like certain situations there's always like one kid who who doesn't give a shit about what happened even yep. though it was a, a huge tragedy or something you know yep. i don't know it's 
No, and it, and I I think that that adds sort of like we're talking about how the of the main characters in this uh, Jennifer and Needy are a lot more complex than they're kind of than they seem on the surface. Yeah, like the stereotype is Jennifer is the hot kind of slutty kind of bitchy girl and needy is like quieter and mousy and nerdy and like you know the like loser virgin type Mm -hmm. but neither one of them is really that you know like they're both more than that in their own ways and like i think what you're talking about with the with the needy's reaction to how other people are reacting to this having happened is interesting because it does kind of mirror, I think, how a lot of people do actually feel in real life when something tragic happens, where the people who walk around like, you know, oh, God, it was the worst thing that's ever happened in my life and like very affected by it can kind of make you feel one way when it's like, I was there. What do you right. And also those people turn the band into the yes. heroes of the situation, yeah. which is very much not the case right and they nobody listens to needy who was actually there exactly they start to dismiss the person who was actually there but then on the flip side of that coin seeing jennifer's callousness really bothers needy because she falls somewhere in the middle you know like she she's not she's more her grief and her horror what's happened is more complicated Mm -hmm. not just because she was there but i think because she's you know it sets her apart from her peers a little bit yeah um yeah, I, I keep coming back to their relationship because, like, you, you're talking about Needy as the, you know, nerdy kind of virgin. Needy has more sex in this movie than Jennifer does. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if we ever actually see, see Jennifer have any I don't know actual sex. No, I think just we just see her get people. sexual and then eat dudes. Yeah. Um, That's a good lifestyle. There's also, I mean, you could also argue that everything that Jennifer claims about how much sex she's had is not true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing a bunch of it's not true. Yeah. Like, some of it probably is, mm-hmm. but a bunch of it's definitely not. Uh, it also, this movie does feature one of my favorite lines, which I use as a non sequitur all the time, which is, it smells like Thai food in here. It's been <laughs> fucking. Which, <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> but is, that, like, is that your, I need to go return some videotapes in this of, movie? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, even the way that that line comes up, it's like, she doesn't just say it to be glib yeah. right needy and chip have just come di- come downstairs yeah and it's like she does it to to purposely make it awkward yes once because chip is she wants to she wants to go out with needy right oh, shit chip is there that so she says this really crass thing yep that is seemingly innocuous and just sort of like oh it's something that Jennifer, flighty Jennifer would say, right. but is very pointed in specifically trying to make this situation more awkward. Well, yeah, and then it, that's interest. That seems interesting too, because then they they sort of start playfully shoving each other. Like mm-hmm. Needy's like, "Oh my god, you're gross," and kind of like pushes her, and Jennifer pushes her back and is like, "No, you're gross." And then Needy's like, "No, you are." And then Jennifer like really pushes her, yeah, and she like bangs back into a wall, and it's like. Jennifer's kind of always subtly trying to assert herself and like put herself on top. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like she's always trying to make sure that she's the dominant force in their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think subconsciously in a lot of ways. Like yeah. I don't think she would say, Oh yeah, I pushed her extra hard just to like show her who's boss. It was like No, she just did that. That's just yeah. one of those things. Um later in the movie when Jennifer uh eats Colin. 
poor Colin. Yeah. Colin's the boy I would have had a crush on in high school. The uh, even even there, like there's having him driving in that car. The way he's singing along with yes. that song is just <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Like it's I don't even know how to describe it, but like you watch it and you go, "Yes, that is a good satire of this whole scene of, of yes. people." Yes. Um, but when they when Jennifer eats Colin, they they cross cut with a scene of uh, Needy and Chip having sex with each other. Yes. And there seems to be they 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 do this a few times through the movie. There seems to be some sort of like mystical bond between Needy and Jennifer. Yeah. And I was trying to make sense of it. Is it because they show this flashback to when they were kids? Uh-huh. And I think Jennifer cuts her hand. Yeah, and- she gets like a thumbtack or something poked in her hand as it's, a little kid. Right. And so she's bleeding a little bit and then yeah. Needy, you know, stops the bleeding by kissing the wound. Yeah. And I was like, I was trying to figure out, I was like, is this supposed to be like now that since they are like of one blood to use like a <laughs> archaic monster movie type phrasing, is the idea that now that Jennifer is this monster, there's some sort of like connection between the two of them? Or is it just like, what What do you think the genesis of this weird like psychic psychic connection comes from? You know, I I don't know for sure. I don't think that that the pinprick thing is played quite explicitly enough. Maybe it maybe it is. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's just since, you know, they're doing a monster movie, if it's just like a literalization of of how close two people can get. Um, yeah, because they are they are supernaturally close in regularly. So why not just throw some magic in there and make it even more more so yeah i mean her she's splitting her face open and eating people i think if we're gonna buy into that we can buy into a little like psychic friendship bond yeah 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 um the one thing that always surprises me about this i've seen it three times and every time i forget is that they kill chip and i can't forget that they kill chip because i hate him (laughs) chip he's not so bad chip sucks it real I I think it's really the sex scene is really funny when he asks <laughs> if he's too big. It is it's that scene is so funny because like she starts moaning and making sounds and gasps because she's seeing what Jennifer's doing right. Jennifer's while Jennifer is Colin, yeah. dismembering Colin. Um and he you they kind of cut to Chip's face a couple times and he's like smirking a little yeah. bit. He's like, Yeah, <laughs> I'm really good at this. Yep. She's gonna have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then slowly he realizes that she's like crying. Mm-hmm. And that's when he asks, uh That that sounds pretty accurate. To, Am I hurting you? Yeah. Am I too big? Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro, you are not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fucking chip. But yeah, it always surprises me because like it just doesn't i guess this type of and i think this is me typecasting the movie yeah but this type of horror movie modern horror movie i feel like the boyfriend generally does live like it's i i feel like you don't see the bleak kind of ending that this movie has in a lot of like run of the mill we're going to make a horror yeah. movie for teenagers type thing yeah, and I think this is one of the places where this movie and Ginger Snaps really overlap for me. Sure. 
because what it serves to do by killing off the boyfriend or the love interest before the final, you know, confrontation is it pits these two female characters directly against one another. Right, right. Which I think is really cool. Like, I think it's, it's, it's because the movie's about them. Yeah. You know, like, as much as I'm, I'm being a jerk and being like, well, Chip sucks or whatever. He seems fine. He yeah. doesn't deserve what happens to him. I can acknowledge that, even though I think he sucks. Um, but he's unfortunately, you know, he's kind of an accessory to their relationship. Like he's mm. he's the third wheel all the time between the two of them. And so it's it, it would be kind of a letdown if he were the one who was like helping needy push the box cutter into right. her chest it's well, like it should kind of come down to just these two it is it's kind of funny because i feel like i think chip probably feels like jennifer is the third wheel in the relationship yeah. yes and so that tug of war is kind of interesting yeah and it is interesting that jennifer ultimately wins that battle yeah um but i do think i think there's another version of this movie a more modern kind of tame version that ends at the 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 pool scene, yes, and so yeah, like I I honestly kind of thought, I think I think I remember like when I we were com- when I was coming into that scene, I was like, this doesn't feel like the ending I remember. But right, I thought it was gonna be yeah. Yeah, I that's what I thought too. So when he stabs her, uh, when when Chip stabs Jennifer with the busted pool skimmer, I was like, oh, are they really gonna have almost dead Chip? make the save and then that's going to be the end of the move like i i forgot about the ending i love i love that jennifer asks do you have a tampon (laughs) (laughs) like not to derail but there are so many genuinely funny moments in this movie like what i love about that is not just the do you have a tampon because that's fine of itself but it's the follow-up when she says I just figured you might because you kind of seemed like you were, what she say, plugging, I think? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> just thought I'd ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm yeah. glad it wasn't like, oh, Chip and uh, Chip kills her and then he somehow survives and, you know, l- love and compulsory heterosexuality win and the end like i'm i'm glad it kind of goes in the weirder yeah. darker direction because yeah like i said <clears throat> there is this sort of tug of war between the two of them and i do think in a conventional more conventional movie chip wins the tug of war and it's yeah like, yeah because that's now, the more conventional ending is yeah. you know the guy the guy gets the girl and they live happily ever after because jennifer is a literal demon yes. and she, needy needs to be freed from this relationship that's of female sexuality yeah that's <laughs> uh that's a literal literally dangerous so she has to free herself so she can have yes. her own relationship with of, her boyfriend of or moral purity <laughs> but that's not the case in this yep. one even by the end of the movie it it is not she is not free from jennifer she will never be yeah. free from jennifer and the end of the movie is a revenge sequence. Yes. Because of what this band of dudes did to Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. She's She kind of explicitly has, cause, you know, she so, so in the end when we go back to her in prison, she reveals that having survived getting bitten by Jennifer, she's absorbed some of the demon's powers, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting, like, that could come off as a very like 
oh, okay, we're just going to throw that in there. That like now feels, she's feels a little bit like now that, she's yeah. superhuman. <laughs> I think it maybe could have been a little made a little more interesting by being like, does she has she absorbed the powers or is she actually kind of turning into a demon too? Sure. Like I feel like that could have been played up a little bit more. Like add some more ambiguity into that. Like have her kill one of the band dudes at the end and then be like. Well, or I mean, you know, why not have her off screen before she confronts Jennifer for that final time, do her own ritual and get her own powers? Yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that way. Yeah, I think it's I I don't think it matters either way. I feel like like then we just get like, you know, fucking like you know superheroes fighting each other at that point yeah well i mean i don't i i i guess i'm not saying i would change the way that it plays yeah but instead of it being that she's been bitten have it be that she willingly ended up going down the same road in some way okay um yeah but the the bite again it's it's it feels a little bit tacked on but i think i don't think it doesn't work yeah, um, yeah. I, I think for what the movie is and how it is kind of satirizing a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. and like we already have unexplained psychic connections to contend with. This is like, sure. Yeah. And I wonder, <laughs> do you think that's one of the, because the, uh, the critical consensus for this movie, as we said, was not great. Um, the highest rating was a 75. This is going by like Metacritic. Yeah. <clears throat> 75 from Roger Ebert saying it's not art, it's not Juno, it's not girl fight for that matter, but as a movie about a flesh-eating cheerleader, it's better than it has to be. <laughs> um, the worst rating, which was a 10 from The Village Voice, oh, come on. says uh, this is the sophomore production from Juno screenwriter Diablo Cody, similarly told through ultra-stylized, slangy teen dialogue, which is cool in theory, in the way it respects the verbal resourcefulness of idle flyover kids, but is excruciating to listen to in actual fact. <laughs> and like, do you think? Ouch. Um, do you feel like that is? Does the? Do you think it's too much of that style? Do you think that's what? Because obviously that was what put, was putting Pat off about it. Yeah. But do you think it's that? Do you think it's maybe a little bit of like for as well written as like a satire it is it's a little bit loosey-goosey when it comes to like rules about how stuff works <laughs> they no, you know coughing. they've got mm. demons they've got psychic connections they've got tran- power transference through bites that they just kind of like toss in yeah I, I i i i think the style puts people off and then i think in a lot of ways this movie doesn't make it explicit enough at times that it's sure. satirizing a That's lot of fair. things. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, kind of not getting that's like some of the jokes. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? Like some yeah. of the bigger meta commentary jokes about this. Like, like even you pointing out like, oh, they this school actually has the secret abandoned pool. Right. Yeah. The like perennial rumor at every school in like the suburbs. Um, and like, I did not put that together and I wish I had. And like, even the fact that some of the, some of the things that are overtly played for laughs, like you obviously get those, but some of the things that are less overt can just feel, I think, off-putting if you don't realize what they are poking fun at. Right. Like the fact, the fact that JK Simmons as a teacher is just like, 
all of a sudden like offers a tissue to a student with his hook hand. Yes. And it's like, you know, if you didn't realize that that was poking fun at a lot of movies where like the obvious guy with the hook hand is like, yeah, he's the bad guy Mm -hmm. or like all the urban legends and stories that typically get told and, and just the general attitudes around somebody with not just a prosthetic, but a hook for a hand. Sure. Like, if you weren't aware of that stuff, you'd just be like, wait, what? What the hell are we supposed to read off of that? Like, what is that all about? Why did they even include that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, um, <laughs> I bet you probably weren't going to expect me to say this, but, oh, uh, boy. um, it reminds me in that way a bit of Robocop. Okay, yeah. Where, um, I have gotten into many, many discussions over the merit of RoboCop as a satire because there are a lot of people who do not read it that way and just read it as like right. a very fascistic um, 80s action movie. And you're like, no, 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 that's Judge Dredd. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, Judge Dredd, also a <laughs> yes, satire. Yes. It, yeah. Also, RoboCop is kind of a direct line from Judge Dredd, but that's a different podcast. Um <laughs> But like, and if you want to say RoboCop is a uh, crass, ob- obscene, fascistic action eighties action movie, you are correct. Yes. But there is a reason for it. Like, yes. That is part of the the satire of what's going on. Like it is ma- there. The, that movie is being made as it is for a very specific reason. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff built into that that as a whole you can look at and go oh all right i see what's going on here this is actually a pretty dead-on satire of disturbingly more and more relevant themes yeah seriously um and i think sometimes if you have buried that stuff too deep then it can just go over everybody's head yeah and i wonder if that didn't happen to some extent with this movie yeah um Again, I'm not saying entirely it has its flaws. Oh, sure, yeah. This, is, um, this isn't RoboCop. Yeah. RoboCop is like <laughs> one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made as far as I'm concerned. This is not that, unfortunately. But. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just... This movie has its flaws and its problems, um, but I do think people don't give it its due. Yeah. Or maybe they're kind of starting to now. We've sort of mentioned that it's been popping up more and more lately as sort of a movie that critics and people are re-examining, which mm-hmm. I think is great. Um, I kind of on purpose stayed away from those takes because sure, I didn't sure. want to have all of the like, it's hard enough to watch a movie like this and separate out the fact that it's the year 2021 and this is 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a very different time then. <laughs> and right, so, yeah. yeah, without bringing like fully all of the baggage. Um, I, you know, this movie, I don't know if this movie gets made the same way today because I think oh, there's I another think so. another way you sell this movie, which is probably how they would sell it now, which is Jennifer uh, gets revenge on a bunch of guys. Yes. Uh, because of how she's been mistreated and right. underestimated. And that's really also not this movie. No, no. All the guys she victimizes 
seem like maybe they've asked her out on a date before or maybe they haven't but they want to because she's pretty Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean the the guys who victimize her are the guys in the band yeah the guys she kills are totally fine yeah this is not like even the jock football player he's not a bully he's not a jerk he's like out in a field crying because his right, best friend yeah. just died. Like he actually seems like a pretty sweet guy. Yeah. This is not promising young woman, but yeah. with demons, you know? Yeah. And I think nowadays there would be the, I think that would be tempting to, to pitch it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't think there's a reading of this movie where Jennifer is not the antagonist. And I'm not saying that there should be, but like there's, yeah. she's not, she's not like a good person. She's not a good character. I mean, she's not a terrible person, but like there's, my, my point is, yeah. she is morally gray enough yes. that I don't think you can tw- t- really twist this into some sort of like empowerment tale so much. Right. Yeah. Cause I don't think it needs to be that which is great right, which right is great. exactly yeah yeah and and to, to continue to belabor the comparison to ginger snaps mm-hmm. i think you know similarly to that movie you know jennifer didn't deserve what happens to her she didn't deserve to get tied to a rock and knifed a bunch of times by a guy who wants to be the guy from maroon five right. also um, that's a joke that holds up yes it yeah, does that's a good joke <laughs> He's like, do you want to do you want to work at the coffee house forever, or do you want to be the guy from Maroon Five? I think I think for that second performance when they come back, having been glammed up, yeah, I think Adam Brody was watching like the Killers videos or something because oh, he had yeah. those like ridiculous dance moves down. Yes, like jerky yes. dance moves. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's perfect. Um, but I think the difference between Ginger and Jennifer is that Ginger tries to resist what's happening to her right ginger's scared right right and 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 ginger doesn't fully understand what's going on with her she doesn't she knows she's acting weird sometimes but sometimes she doesn't you mm-hmm. know it, mm-hmm. it's it's she has less control over what's going on with her and it's just kind of starting to follow instinct right it doesn't really you know it, it's more happening to her mm-hmm Whereas Jennifer figures out pretty quick, <laughs> like what she needs and, and what her new instincts, her new demon interior is driving her to do. Right. And there's never a time where she asks for help. Right, right. She yeah. never tries to not do it. She doesn't try to resist. She enjoys like, oh yeah, I ate this dude and now my hair is great and I feel fantastic and I'm just going to wait until things start to look a little, you know, like at split ends, I'm going to go eat another guy. (laughs) Yeah. She seems very casual about it. She's not bothered by it at all. She has no moral struggle with like, oh no, am I a monster? Is this the right thing to do? Like, should I tell someone? Should I ask an adult for help? There's none of that. She's just fully like, no, this is kind of great. I'm having fun. Yeah, and I think she, what happens to her, which is which is interesting from a character standpoint, is she gets, she is someone who is generally empty. So yes. she's, you know, all she has is needy, as we said. Yeah. She gets this thing that seemingly should give her everything she wants, but even that doesn't do it. Yeah. 
And instead of recognizing that, she just triples down, triples down on it. Yeah. 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 She's always looking for the next. It's, it's like somebody addicted to a drug almost. It's mm-hmm. like you have to keep pushing for, mm-hmm. for the high that you want. How do you feel about, as we're getting close to the end here, how do you feel about mm-hmm. that, the scene where she kills, where Needy kills her? It's a little anticlimactic yeah. in that there's no like ritual necessary. It's mm-hmm. like, I guess it's a little bit like she's this powerful demon. She's able to like hover. She's very strong. Like all of this stuff. She's, she's practically invulnerable. She gets driven the like pool skimmer pole driven through her midsection and she just walks it off. Yeah. Yeah. But then a box cutter to the heart is just like, that's enough. Yeah. I Not guess. like blessed in holy water or... Yeah, which is kind of why I was thinking like if Needy had done some other sort of ritual thing that might yeah. have... Been... Yeah, even, even if it had been some sort of like you have to find the knife that killed her originally right, yeah. and you got to go bring... get It has to be that. That'll yeah. kill her for real. I'd which be like, she does right. find at the end, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's like if you're going to bring yeah. it back, you could have brought it right, back for right. that. Right, exactly. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it does... It is... It does kind of get into a little bit that my pet peeve of unnecessary movement because like yeah. it feels like that pool scene should, if not just that pool scene, an extension of that should be where it ends. Yeah. But like <laughs> Jennifer goes home and like takes a shower and just yep. is like hanging out in her bedroom and then Needy comes in. At- like it feels, it almost feels like she should, kill her like at the school or at the dance or something yeah maybe maybe that's too well-worn territory i don't know i kind of wish like they a reverse had... a reverse carry that's where, yeah. what i was gonna say i kind of wish they had gone for the carry send up you mm-hmm. know like you already had a bar burn down why not burn down the gym too sure yeah. <laughs> with with her in it you know like yeah and um, also if like if everybody there sees needy kill jennifer you know, there's that element to it where it becomes more sensationalized instead of just like the mom. The mom who is is not a character. Uh, yeah, movie. yeah. Jennifer's parents are non-existent until that very end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's tough because I also think that there's something that they're trying to say with it being like in Jennifer's bedroom because she still sure. has like some of the trappings in her bedroom of a little girl. Mm, like you know it's like a teenager girl teenage girl's bedroom which means that she's also got like you know like a stuffed animal on the side over here and her bed is still like pink and white and you know and having it be like this super intimate friendship and the final confrontation be this super intimate moment just between the two of them in a very intimate spot that they've probably spent a lot of time together in Mm -hmm. i i can see what it was sort of going for in terms of maybe like an emotional impact to their connection. But mm-hmm. after you've had like sort of the big set piece moment before that, it does feel like they just sort of drop you yeah. into a more boring place with yeah. it. Especially if it's going to be all you need to do to kill her is stab her. Yeah. And especially cause you're coming off of like what happened to chip. Yeah. Is his body still at the pool? Right. You know, or I was thinking like, I was just thinking, would it work better if it was at Needy's house where the, she kills her and Needy's mom finds her? Because that, at least, m- mother is a character. True. Um, 
But Maybe. I mean, at Jennifer's house, you get that element of Needy's broken into the house and has killed Jennifer. I don't know. Right. It makes her look extra crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked it, I think, if there had been... A scene somewhere in there beforehand where maybe Needy had snuck in when Jennifer wasn't home and like set a trap. Okay. You know, like a kind of like, well, if you put salt over the windows and you put these oh, I see. secret sure. stones in the corners, sure. once the demon's in there, she'll be vulnerable and you can stab yeah, her. You know, like kind of going missing. to the ritual thing you were yeah, looking for. There's something, the only thing Needy gets from the occult book is information about what's going on, right. not really how to do anything about it. Right. And I think that's what's missing, is there needs to be some sort of actionable uh, yeah. information that she gets instead of, oh, I get what's going on now. Yeah, right, I think right. That's, that's something in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the music in this, <laughs> very good. It's good and it's hilarious. Yeah. It's so of its time. It's definitely like flashbacks washed over me. And the song that's written for the movie for the uh, low shoulder band Through the Trees, I think it's called, <gasps> oh, is God. pitch perfect. Yep. Great song. Yep. <clears throat> Great song in that it's a, a terrible, terrible song. song. <laughs> but it is very... St- I think the guy who wrote it, whose name escapes me and I didn't pull it up because I'm bad at my job. Um, Shame. I believe Boo. he is also one of the band members. But I can't. Oh. I, I haven't. I gotta go look it up. You look it up, people. You you get you get Google's. <laughs> you find it on the internet. Um, yeah, that stuff works really well. Uh, but yeah, I think that's. Oh, uh, Karen Kusama, the director. Yes. Um, that's the other thing we were gonna talk about. Is it's, uh, the perspective is very specifically female in this from yep. the writer, director, or the main character, everything, which is really unique. Uh, we can hand wave that because <laughs> women. Yeah. Um, but Karen Kusama directed a movie called The Invitation, which is on yes. our list, which I fucking love. Yeah. So it's it's a really interesting jump for her to go from this to that because they are very, very different. But it does make me really interested to see what she does next because yeah, I actually she's... think, did she do Eon Flux? I think she yes, did she Eon did. Flux. Did she you did. see that movie? I did. How was it? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it got kind of panned at the time. As yeah. Like, there was like, that movie came out and something similar around those t- that time where it was like badass ass kicking woman in oh, an yeah. outfit. Yeah, it might have been that Mila jo- I think it was a Mila Jovovich Pro- movie or something. Probably but- that sounds right, but I I liked that movie. I thought that I was, check a, that that out was a fun one. Because yeah. I she's she's a very good director. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to what she does next and I I'm looking forward to uh, covering the invitation. Yes, um, definitely. Would you this is not on our list, would you place it on the list? I don't know. Yeah. I have a hard time with this one because it's a fun movie. I, like we keep saying, I think it doesn't get the credit that it's due. I think it's trying to do some interesting things with varying levels of success. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would put it on the list if we're talking the top 200 horror movies of all time yeah when you say it when you actually say it out loud I'm yeah like, no, probably not. yeah exactly <laughs> that, that's kind of what my, my my struggle with it all with this with this question when we do wild cards like should it be on the list and it's yeah. like well objectively speaking probably not right. i mean it has its flaws do i think it was overly the, the reception it got an overly harsh rece- reception i do and yeah. i think people who Wrote it off much as many of us did, including the two of us initially, mm-hmm. as just like, ugh, Megan Fox, bad actor. Give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think it's worth watching. 
Um, the style can get in its, in its own way a little bit in some places, but yeah, I I do think it's uh it's unique in it in uh and Demon Jennifer looks great. Yeah, she does. Like the the when her face gets all yeah. terrifying, it's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think you'll be I th- I think you'll be surprised. Well, I hope you'll be surprised if you watch it <laughs> uh, with what what you actually come away with. But um, yeah. Good pick. Glad we Thank watched you. that one. I'm going to hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I actually, Kyle, one of our listeners, um, asked whether or not the randomizer was a real thing or not, or whether it was just me picking movies. And I told him, I said that the answer was yes. So uh, our next movie <laughs> is going to be, where is it? Number 131, which is an American werewolf in London. Which I'm excited. I'm very excited about. Uh, it is currently actually uh, streaming on Amazon Prime as well. So that's great. Yeah, I haven't watched American Werewolf in London. That's one of those movies where um, I think I've mentioned before. I, I kind of give movies that are highly regarded as classics like three chances. Yeah. Uh, like Halloween. Didn't really like it the first time. Yep. Didn't really like it the second time. The third time, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Blade Runner, did not like mm. it the first two times. Third time, I was like, all right, I get this now. Um, and I think I'm on two with American Werewolf in London. And okay. I still haven't really come around on it. So Okay, we'll interesting. See. This is going to be a third strike episode possibility for American Werewolf in London, so I'm looking forward to doing that on air. Exciting. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. The uh, if you want to follow our descent through the Friday the Thirteenth series, we're doing that on Patreon. You can support us at patreon.com slash the Penske file. We just this is is it still July? If it's July still, yes, uh, we will have just put out part seven, yes, which I'm which I'm very excited about. And then uh, <laughs> if it is August. August actually brings with it in a real life Friday the Thirteenth, so Ooh. we're going to be doing something special for that. We might either we might either do a live live stream episode for uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, or we might just do like <laughs> a general you know review of the of the series at this point. Um, but we'll we'll let you guys know. What we're gonna yeah. Do. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.